Hello, 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 and welcome to the show with Wrestling with Entertainment. Bringing you the latest exclusive breaking news, previewing, reviewing, reviewing the latest shows from WWE, AEW, New Japan, and everything in between every Saturday, and interviewing all your favorite wrestlers every Tuesday and Wednesday on YouTube and Castbox. Sponsored by Rogue Energy and Player One Coffee. I'm, of course, your host, that guy, James Shea. Alongside the American Speed of Dust. You know, I stayed up all night wondering where the sun went, and then it dawned on me. And uh, we might not, you might uh, be getting a nickname change soon. Yes. Um, but always with incredible nicknames of friend from the Grateful Yardy podcast, the Canadian sensation himself, Drew. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Well, it definitely feels like we're living a self-offer at this moment with uh, pro wrestling. Um, but before we get into that, all of that, because there is a lot to get into, um... We had um, Freddie Hudson on Tuesday and Sean Donovan on the show uh, on Wednesday. Uh, two incredible interviews. Uh, Freddie, obviously a member of uh, Suitors Don't Die, coming up in the tag team ranks and in the faction ranks. And we talked all things um, Suitors Don't Die, including his own career and even a match against the Red Power Ranger. Um... Sean Donovan, uh, a veteran of this business, probably wrestled all your favorite wrestlers. Uh, we talked none of that. We talked Voltron, we talked X-Men, we talked uh, French Bulldogs. Um, and just a lot of fun. If you didn't already know a lot about Sean Donovan, this is definitely the interview you want to uh, listen to. So go back into uh, the archives and listen to those. Um, this upcoming Wednesday, we got the hot star Dante Drago on. Um, and that's such an incredible interview. It seems like we just talked to him like 10 minutes ago. No, Scooter? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I could see it li- literally in the back of my mind right now. And, um... Now that we're done putting ourselves over, it's a great day for wrestling, because we are wrestling with WWE Class at the Castle review. No, uh, no news this week, um, because uh, we'll be getting into the fallout of All Out um, a little later. Uh, but Class at the Castle. Um, it was September 3rd, it took place in Cardiff, Wales, at the Principality Stadium, with an attendance of 62,296. Principality Stadium. Alright, um, as a whole, this show, I enjoyed, it was like a low-key WrestleMania, with maybe not as many high-profile matches, but the, um, 
just the setting alone was, um, you know, just fantastic. But what, you what do you mean? What? What do you mean, Loki? Loki wasn't there. <laughs> I, I, let's go. <laughs> Uh, Drew, your thoughts on the show as a whole? Honestly, I, it was a show that I enjoyed, to be honest with you. It, it was one of those shows that it surprised me of, on on a lot of levels, and they kept it short and sweet with only having about six matches or seven matches on the card, which, which helped time fly by. And right now, it seems like WWE is hitting on all cylinders after they let go of that albatross known as Vincent Kennedy McMahon. But, yeah, it was it was an enjoyable show. I think this is another brilliant example of how WWE is presenting solid shows right up until the main event. I, 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 again, the, the show, top to bottom, was good, and, and the main event itself was a, 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 a great match, maybe one of Drew and Roman's best, uh, but are you protecting his title reign at this point, uh, rather than, you know, give any superstar from the UK a win? Oh, wow. no, no superstars from the UK won. Are we talking about the Wolves Collide, or are we talking about this uh, one? Both. On 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 this show, only one European. Not you're right. No UK star won. Only a European one, and that would be Gunther. Everybody else. Oh, yeah, to, yeah. But again, like you're right. For me as a fan, I'm I'm honestly enjoying everything that Roman Reigns does. But honestly, it's becoming a little stale. The whole. Bloodline helping him out, this, that, and the third. It would have if this was the time for a, a title change. It should have been on this show. It's in, yeah. it's in um, Drew's backyard. The first time they've been back there in thirty years. Remember, he won the title during that whole pandemic WrestleMania thing, where nobody kind of was in the arena, and nobody saw it, kind of thing. So this would have been the perfect time to have him win the belt. And then if you wanted to do something where Roman gets his, not comeuppance, but gets Paul Heyman involved in some legal battle that he didn't really defend both belts, he only defended one, so Drew's only, like, say, the WWE champion, so it spins that belt over to uh, over to another show because Raw doesn't have a champion right now. Some, some kind of convoluted way you could have did it, but you're right. Like, top to bottom, they do great stuff. When you get to the main event, it's becoming stale because it's it's rinse repeat over again with Roman Reigns. Now the character, mind you, promo work is great, the bloodline is great. 
who they added to the bloodline is great, but I'm just getting tired of him kind of handcuffing both titles. Uh, let's get into the show. Um, Damage Control. Uh, Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky defeated Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka in 18 minutes and 44 seconds. Um, you know, not a bad match. It was decent, but I felt like for the opener of the show, uh, maybe not the best choice, and maybe a little too long. Uh, your thoughts, Scooter? Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say so. Uh, I think, I mean, it, it, it was a, it was a good opener. Um, would it have benefited the show more to do uh, Bianca Bailey, you know, actual, you know, match? Um, probably. Uh, but they're laying the groundwork uh, for, for Bailey and Bianca. Um, I, I'm assuming it's a matter of when I'm assuming it's extreme rules. Uh, but doesn't that work better? Like, you know, usually WWE just goes right into it. Okay, Bailey's back, let's give her a title match. And, you know, they're kind of letting it breathe before we get there. Yeah, I, I, I could, I could understand that. I, I mean, I could have also understood if, you know, you had Io and Dakota win the tag titles, and then, you know, the opener is for, you know, the women's tag titles and the, you know, the, the Raw women's title. You know, one team wins and walks out with, you know, all the gold, and you can then even say, you know, Bailey won it the cheap way and didn't pin Bianca. You know, it's 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 a matter of perspective and semantics, essentially. Oh no! What's a YouTube? Yeah, it was a decent opener, and I just think going forward, it's it's more long term storytelling more than anything else. I don't think it's as deep as as Scooter's trying to make it out to be. I just think we're 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 setting up the whole Bailey and Bianca situation, but we're doing it in a long-term story booking situation. How many, uh, how many stars did you give this uh, match uh, through? I'll give it a solid three out of five. What say you, Scooter? I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it three and a half. Uh, two and a half. Alright, um, next match, uh, Gruntar with, uh, Imperium, with Fraser, Giovanni, Vincenzo, uh, defeated Seamus with the Brawling Brutes, uh, Bridge Holland, and Bush. Uh, the match lasted 19 minutes and 33 seconds. Um, honestly, this was a great match, and it should have been the opener. 
<laughs> and ain't, ain't nobody gonna beat Ludwig Fraser. Ah, gonna rope it up around. Scrambled eggs. Gonna see. You're thinking NBC Fraser. I'm thinking Joe Fraser. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, but is it really? I mean, can you really mistake Fraser for Kaiser? I mean, you ever had a good Kaiser role, James? Um, I think my insurance was Kaiser Permanente one time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I mean, clearly the biggest surprise is the reunion of Imperium. Uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, we, uh, the, the quick time, uh, Giovanni Vinci spent in NXT only to get called right back up. Um, I, I'm, I guess, you know, I'd say the, uh, this event is the best thing to happen to, uh, Vinci's, uh, career at, uh, at this point. It put him back, uh, where he should be. What say you, Drew? I'm glad to see Imperium back together, and that's number one. But this match, to me, was honestly, I, I'm, I'm going to say it out loud here and say that this was the match for me of the weekend. If we're talking across all three shows, this match, I, I was impressed by both Gunther. We already knew what the artist formerly known as Walter could do, and Sheamus is one of those guys that have been there so long, but he's a a pro at it, but they, for the 20 minutes, they gave us what old school wrestling fans would love. It's just strictly we're wrestlers. We're in a wrestling ring. Let's wrestle. All right, how many, uh, how many stars would you give this? Drew? This is, this is five stars for me. This is five stars. This is, this was my, this was my match of the weekend, to be honest with you. And that's saying something because there was some quality matches this week. Uh, what's the uh, what's the uh, I I'm I'm gonna give it four because Sheamus could have won it. There was there would have been no harm in Sheamus winning the Intercontinental Title. It makes the UK fans happy. Makes band attendance happy. It gives Sheamus that missing accolade from his career and you you can you and then you have reason to put you know to continue you know the brawling brutes versus imperium storyline um if Sheamus won would you have given it five stars I probably would have given it four and a half at least Well, uh, I'll be uh, the middleman and give it four and a half. Alright, uh, next match up, we got uh, Liv Morgan defending the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, she defeated Shayna Baszler in uh, mi- uh, 11 minutes and 2 seconds. Um, honestly, this was 
a great outing and performance for Liv Morgan. Um, Shayna was perfect, you know, big bad for her to slay that, and she made it look believable that she actually was able to beat Shayna. And obviously Shayna led Liv to maybe one of the best matches in her career. Um, what say you, Drew? I couldn't agree with you more, man. Um, everything that you said is 100%. Just to be honest with you, I I really haven't been a fan of Liv Morgan. I don't know what they're trying to do with her, if she's a heel or a face. or I'm a little confused with the character work on, on her end. But in this match, like you said, everything that she did and everything that Shayna did to bring her to that level kind of takes that kind of negativity I have off a, li- a little bit to say, okay, if she can do that with Shayna, maybe she gets the rematch, rematch with Ronda, and that could be another top-tier match. You know, in all honesty, if anybody was going, was heading towards, you know, oh, this is, she's going to wrestle Carmella next, so she could, you know, get a couple wins under her belt. It was Liv Morgan. I appreciate that they're not going that route. Uh, but what say you, Shooter? I mean, again, I think it's the fickle uh, fans of the WWE Universe who are you know, cheering her on one day and you know booing her, you know, the next week. Yeah, Becky is right. They don't know what they want. Um, However, when it comes to live, we're we're expecting her to clearly get beaten every time, but she's this plucky, scrappy little underdog who pulls out the win, uh, you know, against all odds, and, uh, I mean, that's what they, uh, did here, uh, I mean, Liv being able to beat Shayna on her own makes it at least look credible, uh, that Liv could possibly beat Ronda in, uh, one-on-one. How many stars would you give this one? I'm generous. Two and a half. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll give it three. I'll give it three and a half. Alright, um, next match we got Edge and Rey Mysterio with Dominic Mysterio uh, defeating the Judgment Day, Finn Balor, Damon Priest, and Rhea Ripley. Uh, in 12 minutes and 36 seconds. Um, generic tag team match that could have been on a Raw or a SmackDown, but, I mean, for what was, what happened at the end, I understand why they did it right here now. Um, what say you, Drew? Yeah, the match is a generic match. It's something that we would see on a Raw or SmackDown. 
but it's what happened at the end of the match with the Dominic turn, which is kind of reminiscent of Eddie Guerrero turning on Rey Mysterio. If you look at the clothesline, um, I, I'm 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 glad that we we knew it was coming the Dominic turn, but we didn't know exactly when it was coming, and I'm glad they did it here on this show because. You imagine that um, plane ride back from from um, Cardiff, Wales, to the United States with um, Dominic and Ray. Um, but like you said, decent match. But it was the story was more told after the match. So it is what it is. I mean, we all know the real winner here is uh, Dominic. After you know, he went back to his hotel room. Um, yeah, as you know, we know that, you know, Rhea made him a man. Um, I mean, I love that, yeah, the match, generic, um, obviously, uh, but I love the fact that Dominic is now essentially sporting the Eddie mullet, and I expect Dominic claiming Eddie as his father to play a big part in this storyline, um, and if I was, if I was, if I was WWE, I'd see what, about doing whatever I could, uh, to get Vicky, uh, away from AEW. Or maybe even travel. Or or travel too, yes. Well, you know, I don't believe uh, Soul Guerrero is doing anything right now. Yes, but I think even Triple H passed on her. Well, it's his sister, so you know. Um, but major major kudos to Edge because when he took that low blow, his facial expressions just sold that that low blow even more than it was. And I am interested to see, you know, um, Dominic transform from Dominic uh, Mysterio to Dominic Eleven. Because he kind of looks like Eleven from um, from Stranger Things Season 2. And I just think that's good too. Alright, um... Uh, uh, how many stars, uh, Drew? Uh, three stars for this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three. I'll give it two. Um, next match? Seth freaking Rollins versus Matt Riddle in 17 minutes and 22 seconds. Not a bad match, but I feel like Seth had better matches all year long. But that's maybe just my opinion. Um, uh, I'm I'm all for this feud. This feud reminds me of the Family Guy stuff with Peter Griffin and the Chicken. These two need to be, anytime they see each other, it's on site. We going at it. I don't care if who's the face, who's the, who's the heel. And I like the fact leading into the match on Raw where they did that whole 
split screen sit down interview and we actually went into kind of went into that real life area where this is why your wife left you and all that kind of stuff i'm all for it and and match wise yeah seth rollins have has had better matches over 2022 so far to be honest with which 2022 is almost up but he has, but with this, with these two, I think these guys should feud forever. What's your usual? Feud forever. Um, it it was a it was a great match. Uh, the 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 gimmick here is the psychology. Uh, clearly, uh, and the wrestling is, you know, the, the, the co-star, um, the, the idea that Matt Riddle, thank God he's Matt, um, it is, that there is two sides to Matt Riddle, m- makes Riddle more interesting and more than just a one-note character. Um, the fact that Seth could bring that out of him and still take advantage of it, uh, I think it earns Seth the, the nickname of the new Cerebral Assassin. Um... Because it's, it, it was a, you know, it really was, it was a great match. Um, Riddle does have to get his uh, comeuppance, and I'm assuming he will get it in some gimmick match at uh, Extreme Rules, uh, but, and yeah, this, this was a highlight. This gets four, but if Randy Orton came back and he was wearing SpongeBob SquarePants gear, it would have got five stars for me. Uh, I will give it. Uh, I'll give it a you know, solid four. Um, I'll give it three. All right. Uh, and the main event, match everybody went to see, um, Universal, the WWE Universal Undisputed Championship of the Galaxy, whatever it's called, uh, Roman Reigns versus, uh, he defeated Drew McIntyre in 30 minutes and, uh, 47 seconds. Um, like you guys said, uh, best Roman McIntyre match that they've ever had. Um, seeing that it's only 30 minutes, um... It felt longer, and I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I was interested in all 30 minutes of it. Um, you know, Roman's just a polarizing figure at this point. Uh, Blue. Like, like I said at the top, it's, um, it's Roman Reigns' world and we're just living in it, in a sense, but... This would have been the time to pull the trigger and, and make him lose the belt. It was the perfect backdrop for it to happen. 
I'm, I'm, and it did seem longer than the 30 minutes, to be honest with you. And it's maybe because of all the other stuff with like Austin, I got my first name back theory, um, stuff with him potentially cashing in. And then you had Tyson Fury with the punch. And then you had, um, another member of the bloodline debut. So, Maybe all that extra stuff, including the match, kind of made it seem longer. But for those 30 minutes that they were in and around ringside, they entertained me immensely. And honestly, I want to see a rematch. And I actually want to see Drew be the one to beat um, Roman Reigns in, in my perfect world. But we all know this is setting up Roman to drop the belt to Cody... Dwight Rhodes. What's a uh, what's a useful? Yes, one of Roman and uh, Drew's best matches. The one thing Vince would never do is bank on an NXT call up at such a huge event. That, that's that's something Vince would never do. And having Solo Sokoa show up... <laughs> having Joe Uso show up as... You know, uh, with, the, with the possibility of you know, people not knowing who he is... But yet, because he looks so much like his brothers, that people will think, oh, there was an Uso here all along. Um, but it, it just shows the chances that you know, the new administration is willing to take. Um, I mean... I mean, hitting so many uh, you know, finishers and then losing to just one, I think is something that's being overdone, quite honestly. Um, I think it's really about time Roman gets a new finisher. Um, I mean, I, he, so many people are, are doing the spear. At this point, the one thing I ever agreed with Vince on was really one person should be doing, you know, a, a certain move. And even that stopped after uh, a while. Um, I, I never knew American Pie was, you know, a popular song to sing. Uh, in a UK sporting event like uh, Sweet Caroline at a Boston Red Sox game. Um, but, yeah, the fact that Fury was making Drew's loss into a celebration, the, 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 the meme I saw, you know, all throughout this week, was oh it's SummerSlam nineteen ninety three all over again. 
where Lex where Lex Luger wins by a countout, and all the balloons <laughs> and, and everybody comes out. And they're hoisting him up on his shoulders. I'm like, he didn't win the title, guys. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I mean, we know how the WWE is with, you know, the hometown. I mean, now it's home country, <laughs> and... Guilty by association. Again, not even, not even a, not even a disqualification. Clean one, two, three. Oh, like... That that's that's just it just bugs me to no end. You put so much into this, and you know, even though you know all the superstar UK superstars they had were from you know the other countries in the UK, not from Wales. Um, it it just. It leaves a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth, and I hope when they do it again, because Triple H says it looks like it's a, a European pay per view is going to be a yearly thing now. Oh, um, well, I'm not uh, upset about that, but giving through a title match every time there's a year. I mean, I expect WrestleMania 41 to be announced from, you know, Wembley Stadium. Um, R.I.P. God Save the King. And, um, it's, yeah, it, yeah, if I'm an American wrestling fan and, you know, I'm new to watching it. I and I'm watching Tyson Fury and Drew McIntyre, and I'm familiar with Drew McIntyre. I kind of don't have an idea about who Tyson Fury is. You know, I'd be looking at it as like, what, what in the blue hell is going on here? I, it, it's, it, it, it's just so bizarre. How many stars would you give Drew McIntyre and Tyson Fury singing? That's a negative. That's that's negative. I I I think I I heard about it. I didn't see it, and I'm I'm not going back to watch it. And yeah, I don't like the fact that you're capitalizing on somebody's loss. There should be some kind of dejection, some kind of pissed offness towards Drew McIntyre that he was at home and he lost. It's like the same thing. Remember when we saw Rock and Cena the first time was supposed to be the only time we saw it, and at the end of it, Rock's in the ring celebrating, and Cena sitting on the um, the rampway looking like crap. I couldn't beat this guy. Like that's how that's how Drew should have looked leaving this show. I'm in my home. I'm in, not in my home country or whatever, but I'm in my in my area. The opportunity to to dethrone the guy that's been the guy for the last year 
has one of the longest championship reigns ever. And what do you do? You reduce him to singing with a a former heavyweight champion of the world. It it just it like it's just, it's another thing that we'll probably talk about with the AEW stuff. It's what makes your product not look mainstream. You know what I mean? That's that's the problem. Like now it looks like a joke because they're not gonna Sports Center is not gonna play any highlights from Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. They're gonna play the highlight of the known boxer or former boxer, I think he's retired now, Tyson Fury singing with Drew McIntyre. That's what they're gonna show. That that's that's exactly what they're gonna show. So it makes Drew look like a joke. It may, if Tyson Fury is coming in as a wrestler, it makes him look like a joke. And it's going to be like that whole Cain Velasquez um, experiment that didn't go anywhere. Like, it, it's, like I'm sorry, there's th- certain things that WWE and Triple H and his, re- his regime are doing great, and I'm not knocking them for. But stuff like this, I don't need to see it. All right. Uh, Sturdo, how many stars do you give this evening? Um, uh, is negative infinity a thing? Uh, yes it is. Then negative infinity to the infinity power. Alright, well, uh, I'll be nice. I'll just give it zero stars. Uh, all things considering thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle, uh, Drew. I'll give it a thumbs up. Scooter. Uh, I will give it a thumbs up. I will also give it a thumbs up. Alright. That will conclude our coverage of Us at the Castle. And we are wrestling with... NXT World Collide. We're not going to go in depth. Um, it happened. That's all we can really say. Um, but, uh... What, a great match that you should definitely stop and go back, go back and see is um, um, the Ricochet. His name's not Christian Casanova anymore. It's uh, Carmelo Car- Hayes. Carmelo Hayes. Uh, the Ricochet Carmelo Hayes match definitely tore the house down. Um, one of the more quality matches we would have seen this week. Um, but other than that. Pretty cut and dry, standard. Nothing changed. Nothing new happened. Type um, of show. Uh, Drew, did you catch it? I caught that opening match, and I'm like, I took your recommendation and checked out Carmelo Hayes before he got to WWE, and I'm like, you guys are damn right. This guy's this guy's amazing. And then seeing his match with Ricochet to open the show, man. I'm like, damn, this guy is amazing. So, yeah, that's what I caught. And like every other match, yeah, it was, it was eh. And then the main event was something I would recommend as well. But other than that, to me, it was really a two-match show. Everything else beneath the opener and the main event was just something you would throw away on a on a regular Tuesday night of NXT. Oh, Yeah. Ricochet, Carmelo, uh, clearly the uh, the highlight uh, 
of the show. Um, other than that, completely, completely predictable. You're not wrong. Uh, like you, you know, the main event was good, but it kind of just fell flat at the end for me, personally. Um, but, you know, it's saying something when the three shows on uh, this week, that week, the only one that got the opener right was, um, was NXT. And I'll stand by that. Uh, that being said, I give this show thumbs in the middle. Um, not terrible, but not overly enjoyable. Um, it was two hours, so I mean, it wasn't a bad way to spend two hours. So thumbs in the middle. Uh, Drew. Yeah, I have to agree with you there, James. It's a thumbs in the middle for me as well. Um, Scooter. Yeah. It's a definite thumbs in the middle. Alright. That'll conclude our coverage of uh, Worlds Collide. I think that was our shortest preview ever of all time. And we are wrestling with AEW All Out 2022 review. Uh, it took uh, last Sunday, and um, it was in the Now Arena in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Um, I'm not getting, uh, I don't see what the attendance was. Um, you know, didn't really hear anything about this, so, so. um, yeah, so I, yeah. Um, so let's get into it. Um, we got the uh, the pre-show, which I didn't personally see, but Jericho Appreciation Society, Sammy Guevara, and Tay Mello, which is from Mello, um, defeated Ortiz and Ruby Soho in six minutes. Uh, Hook defeated Angelo Parker by submission in three minutes and 55 seconds. Pac defeated Kip Sabian in 12 minutes and 25 seconds, and Eddie Kingston defeated Tomohiro Ishii in uh, 13 minutes and 25 seconds. Um, just going off the, the pre-show, um, I want to say it's a complete waste of Kip Sabian, but I mean Kip Sabian is a complete waste. No, Scooter? Yes, and it's a complete waste of the yeah, the, 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 the tertiary championship, uh, that's supposed to mean something. I mean, I guess that's what happens when you have a belt that's all Atlantic, but then you don't have an all Pacific title. Yeah. Well, uh, NXT has the North American. Does that qualify? No, I mean, how how do you how do you think the All Atlantic Champion would uh, the reaction they get in California? Um, we're on the Pacific Ocean. 
Yes. You're on the Pacific Ocean. So, you know, I mean, I rename it like the Coast to Coast Championship or the National. Yeah, or, you know, the AEW National Championship. I agree with that, man. Like, it's a stupid name. Like, it's a stupid name. It's it's a title that doesn't mean anything. Right now, the FTW title means more than the All-Atlantic Championship. And does, does that kind of go with because of who's holding it? Because, like, Cook is, like, this Western sensation at this point. What, what you mean with the FTW championship because of who's holding it? In a sense, yeah, but Pac holding the All-Atlantic championship is a good thing too. But the thing is, it's like he only defends it on like dark. And when he does defend it against anybody of substance, it's never in an AEW ring. It's outside of AEW. It's in countries that are along the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, and 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 in fact, I think at this point, uh, Ring of Honor titles have been defended more on AEW TV than the actual AEW like Championship. You're you're damn right. Yeah, you're yeah. damn right. All right. Um, let's get into um into the main show. Here we go. Casino ladder. The Contito Lado match. Um, the Joker defeated Claudio Itacanoli, Willo Casuda, Penta El Zero, Ray Felix, uh, Ross Andrade El Idaho, and Dante Morton. <laughs> um, not not the cleanest, uh, not the cleanest lotto match ever in the history of lotto matches. Um, <laughs> or pronunciation. Uh, correct. And, uh, but, uh, just the ending just felt so flat that it didn't seem like anybody gave a shit that the Joker, um, spoiler alert, it's Maxwell Jacob Freeman, won the match. I, 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 I I think I will stand by the fact that I consider Stokely Hathaway the winner of the match. I agree with that. I agree with that, man. Stokely Hathaway had the moment of his career winning that ladder match. And, you know, you know and as, you know, Pettit, you know what? He gets that title match. <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, they're going in the lines of the only people that could win the match are the ones that are actually in it, and Stokely wasn't. So you know, loophole that you could just give yeah. it to. Um, yeah, it's like when remember when Vince won the Royal Rumble, and then he was like, "I'm denouncing myself out of." winning the Royal Rumble, and then Austin, because he was the second guy in the Royal Rumble that got eliminated by Vince, he was cashed in. So Stokely Hathaway winning, this is semantics, but Stokely Hathaway going and climbing the ladder 
winning the match and handing it to the Joker, which we know is MJF, that, in a sense, we know that MGF, his character is made of money. He can buy whoever he wanted to buy. So he probably said to Stokely Hathaway, you have all these goons. They ain't doing nothing on, on Sunday night. Beat the crap out of the guys in the ladder match. Go get the chip and hand me the chip. That's exactly how it went down. I, 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 I will say this. I'm sure a lot of people were confused when the the sound went off for the broadcast and then uh, Sympathy for the Devil started to play. Yeah. People thinking, God, did my Spotify open? What the hell is going on? Uh, um, uh, and it, it, it's a weird... It's a weird way of doing it. One, you don't, yeah, ever, it would you don't, you don't cut the audio. You don't ever cut the yeah, audio. Yeah. Um, because then you, you have people yeah that are going to complain to the you know, the, uh, the fight TV or yeah. Bleacher Report or whoever they they got the the um, pay per view from. They're they're going to uh, complain. I mean, also not to mention uh, licensing Rolling Stones music. Can't be fucking cheap. He he talked. Um, Tony Khan was talking about it in the media scrum. He he talked about it in the media scrum with when Jericho was when Jericho was there. I don't mean to go too far ahead, but he did talk about it, and I think the Rolling Stones were a little cheaper because, um, Chris Jericho did say that he tried to get um van halen for his group at one point but they were asking for way too much it was like 1.5 or almost two million dollars and i guess the rolling stones were cheaper uh i know i know it's just a typical media scrum we just talk what happened at the event how much money we made and we sent everybody home happy no it's just, this is great this is great um, that being said, uh, I get this, this match felt so flat to me, it's not even funny, one star. Uh, Scooter? Uh, okay, you know what, uh, I'll be generous, one and a quarter. Joe? Everything before the reveal of the Joker gives me a two, but after they revealed who the Joker, or who ended up winning the match as the Joker, I give it one and a half. Alright. Um, the next match, the second match on the main card. Um, just to let everybody know, this is literally the sixth match on the card so far. There was four, um, four pre-cell matches and 15 matches in total. Yeah. Um, yeah. the Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks uh, defeated Hangman Page and Dark uh, Order, Alex Reynolds and Dark Silver uh, in 19 minutes and 50 seconds to win the first and ever AEW World Trios Championship. Because that put asses in seats, right? Um, that, that being said, honestly, it wasn't a bad match. I mean, there's not a lot of bad elite matches. Um, and honestly, this should have been the first match on the card. 
in all honesty. But uh, what should you do? Yeah, I agree. They should have flipped these. This should have been one, and the ladder match could have been two. And yeah, the Elite never give us a bad match. But are we able to mention the Elite after what happened after that media scrum that we're not what? supposed to be talking about? Nothing happened. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm just making sure. I don't want to get a cease and desist letter up here in Canada, you know. Post is cost a lot nowadays with the cost of living going high up here in the Great White North. But, yeah, it was a decent match between these two teams and the right team won in the end. Uh, honestly, the, the match was... I... I, I probably one of the best trios matches uh, I think ever and honestly I would I I really would call this the match of the night that's interesting considering what more we're going to be talking about. Yeah, that's... Yep. I would agree with you, but there is another match to me that that takes the cake. This one was right... Like, for me, it was right there. And then we see another match later down in the card that just kind of knocks this a little off its pedestal. But it wasn't a bad match to begin with, and it was probably one of the best trios matches that we've seen in a long time in North America. And the the one thing that I want to say that you said, Drew, the right team won. Now that brings us to our next match, the TBS Championship match, Jake Cargill, uh, defeated Athena um, in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, my opinion, this is maybe 1 minute too I mean, one, Jade was looking like she was getting her ass handed to her. Uh, two, I think the announcers completely overlooked the fact that she was going for She-Hulk and not the fact that she was made of money. Um, that also being said, this is this is the match we learn. There's a microphone on very close to the ring. And we're hearing Every spot called. It was on during the previous match. But hearing Athena yell, Kick out! Kick out! Kick out! It... It's like, I like... I, I, I went on Squared Circle during the event. And I guess people were just ignoring it. But you know, I was you know I heard the you know the Bucks spots called, you know people asking if they, you know you know, guys if they were all right and I I I don't know when it was finally you know fixed. Um, again, th this was literally kind of one move 
and done despite getting your ass handed to you. So, it's, it, it, it's the right, it's the right result, but it's, it, it was the absolutely wrong road to get there. What's that, YouTube? Man, Scooter, I agree with you with that, man. I, like, in the beginning, I did enjoy Jade Cargill's outfit, and yeah, the announcers missed the mark completely, because what's, what's popular right now on Disney Plus is She-Hulk. And you can clearly see it's She-Hulk. It has nothing to do with money, but they missed the mark. Um, I, I thought. Well, I I also I thought I was the only one that was catching the whole hearing of spots thing. That makes yeah, your product yeah. look very, very, very unprofessional. We're not supposed to hear kickouts and what the next spot is it would be like knowing all the spots in a marvel movie and nobody pays their harder money to see that nobody pays their harder money to watch professional wrestling when they're gonna know the spots told to them by the people in the ring um also i really thought this was a time that jade could have got an l i think athena was a credible opponent but I think they're putting the rocket to Jade and seeing how far they can get with her in this um, TBS championship. I don't feel like Athena really needs it. She doesn't need to be the person that ends Jade Cargill's reign. If anybody, if anybody should be the ones that end her reign, it should be, um, oh, what is her name? A Chris Lander, an Anna Jay, a Ty Mello. You know, somebody that's below her that could really benefit from getting over on her. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. But, you know, Chris Statlander's out with another knee injury. And Anna Jay, they've been jobbing out for a while, even though she's in the Jericho Appreciation Society. And then who else is there? Like, really, for this TBS title, like, there's too many belts in AEW and not enough challengers for these belts. You know what I mean? You're not wrong. Alright, um, Warlow and FTR defeated Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns uh, in 16 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, I don't think anybody was on their feet for this one. Um, uh, one... They were on their feet for one moment, right. and I will say it's prob. And I will say it's the most wholesome moment in professional wrestling. I'd say, at, at least in the last last five years, maybe even more. And that will bring us to our next match. Um, Fonte Duck. Versus an eight-year-old girl. Uh, it lasted three seconds. Uh, probably, you know, maybe the second best cup match of the night. Um, just for the heartwarmingness of it all. Uh, but I can honestly say, you know, nobody really came to see FTR versus Embolo versus the more uh, what say you, uh, 
Yeah, I didn't really pay my money to see um, FTR and the Motor City Machine Guns and Jay Lethal, and I I really think this was a throwaway match. This it's just to get um, FTR on the card. It's just to get Warlord on the card it, it, because they're top AEW stars. Sorry. Inclusion mania. Yes, I just think it, I just think it was just to get them on the card, and honestly, it wasn't a bad match, but it was really for that moment with the 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 little girl and Sanji Dutt and breaking the pencil and all that stuff. That that's what that whole match was for, anyways. And they could have gave this time to somewhere else in the card that would have made more sense. Well, well. I I never knew that uh you know Dax's daughter is named Finley so Finley Har Finley Harwood um uh I mean I mean fight like fight like an eight year old girl what? that's it that's all I could say how many uh. We don't need to start wait this match. Um, the next match, um, Powerhouse Hobbs defeated Ricky Starks in five minutes and five seconds. Um, you know, just the story that they were telling and the way that the match started, A plus. Uh, everything kind of made sense. Uh, huh. but problem with it was that it just ended really abruptly and obviously way too soon for the story that they were telling. But obviously this is going, you know, longer than we thought it was. Uh, what say you two? Yeah, this is more of a long-term um, storyline booking to begin to um, to begin with. And yeah, they, I, I enjoyed how they started the match, like you said, and I also enjoyed that this feud is going to continue because these two, to me, are some of these stars that we need to prop up in AEW because of what we're going to talk about with the guy that we can't mention his name and the other guys at that media scrum that I want to talk about, but we can't talk about it yet. <laughs> uh, what's say you, Scudo? I, I don't understand why Hobbs won. I, re I really, I really don't. Um, the, the crowd is clearly, clearly clamoring for a Ricky Starks push. And, and now it's going to be needed more than ever. But I mean, it, I I guess, oh God, I I guess Tony likes jobbing out, you know, uh, and you know people with uh people who mean something to AEW out in five minutes, uh, That was going to be my follow-up question. Did the white guy win? No. 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 
but I get where they're going with this. This is all for Ricky Stars to get redemption because we all noticed that this whole last, what, four, five, six months, he's been just losing, 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 losing. Team Taz breaks up. It's to build him back up. It's a stupid way of doing it. I wouldn't have booked it that way. I think Ricky Starks is a star already. The, the, he is over with the crowd as a face. Even when he made that, that um, the promo where, where uh, Hobbs blasted him, he was so over with the crowd. And I think, and I, I talked about this with you guys on the last episode that I was on with you guys. Um, it's a lot, AEW's doing too much of hot shot booking. It's like, okay, he's hot, but let's cool him down. They're hot, but let's cool him down. You know what I mean? Instead of just looking at it, okay, maybe he's hot, but we need to throw an audible and make Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks could have won in a way that looked heelish, but was babyface in the same in the same breath. You know what I mean? Even yeah. if he was, he held the rope or he held the trunk, and then he scurried under the ring, and oh, Ricky Star, and then the storyline can continue. Now Hobbs wants to get his one-upmanship on him because oh, you outsmarted me there by just jobbing him out. That makes look Ricky Starks look weak, and then you're gonna spend time to rebuild him with the guy that beat him. It's just. A lot of this hot shot booking that I'm like that has been happening due to the fact that we have a bunch of injuries and guys are not there right now that they can that they can pick, choose and refuse with. Oh, um, you know, I kind of did feel like maybe Hobbs, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, maybe Hobbs was the right guy to win just for the fact that. Ricky is so over, and Hobbs isn't. I mean, Hobbs can defend right now is beating up Ricky Starks, but now he has a little momentum on his side where people could say, oh, well, we love Ricky, but this guy is a legitimate threat to him because he has beaten him in the past. And obviously, you know, we're going further into, uh, into this rivalry. Alright, um, Swerve in our glory, Keatley and Swerve Strickland, uh, defeated the acclaim, uh, Anthony Bowens and Matt Castro with Daddy Ass, Billy John, um, in 22 minutes and 30 seconds. And this, for me, this is where the show went off the rails. Everything that should have been wasn't, and it was like, Oh, let's not give a fuck anymore. Um, it this match just didn't make sense to me. It was just a good match to have a sake of a good match. Um, it didn't really seem like Swerve and Alcroy was being the heels, but they was the heels. Everybody loves the acclaim, and yet they didn't pull the trigger on this show. Um, your what do you say, Swerve? Uh, and you're absolutely right. This was a match for having the sake of a good match. Uh, it looks it it looks like they're sowing the seeds to split Lee and Swerve. Um. Uh, yeah, because you know Swerve wouldn't scissor with Billy Gunn. Just since I never thought I'd say it in my lifetime. Um. Uh. 
you know, but, you know, there's a, there's a rematch at Grand Slam, where yours truly may or may not be in attendance. Uh, what say you, Joe? Um, I'm looking at it this way. The acclaim are so over, but I don't think you needed to throw an audible and have them win the titles here. I think with Swerve in our glory, I think Swerve is playing the heel where Keith Lee is playing the babyface. That's why he was trying to scissor and, and all that kind of stuff. And they were also at this media scrum that we can't talk about what we're going to talk about hopefully soon. So they made comments about this as well at the, at the, at the media scrum that they had after the show. But I don't think it was time to pull the trigger for the acclaim. They're over, yes, and they don't even technically need the tag team titles to be over. I just think they just need to continuously do the raps, and then the heels can always come out and stop the corny, stereotypical raps that Max Caster does. Well, I mean, that's kind of what happened on Dynamite. You're not wrong. Yeah. Alright, uh, that brings us to our next match. Tony Storm uh, defeated um, Rick Baker, Jimmy Hader, and Hikaru Shida uh, to become the interim women's champion in 14 minutes and 20 seconds. Um, okay, Matt. Um, I really feel like Tony Storm was not the right person to win this match. If anybody should have wanted, it should have been Jamie Hader or even Rick Baker at this point, costing costing Jamie Hader the championship, but winning it herself. And just being that bad friend heel that she is. Um, but it just feels like, you know, they promised it to Tony. And, you know, got the bit good, you know, things change, pal. Um, but no, it's Tony, and she's the interim champion, and that's where we are right now. Um, what's the use of The term interim as it pertains to AEW is cursed. Um, nothing good has come out of the word interim <laughs> in AEW. Um... Honestly, I, I really thought it, it, it should have been Sheeta. I mean, if anybody deserves it right now, it's Sheeta. I think Jamie Hayter needs to have her one-off with, with Britt before... Being the champion, then you have Britt take the belt back, and then you have Jamie beat Britt again. But again, is anybody dying to see a, the Tony Storm Thunder Rosa two? Uh, I was interested in Tony Storm Thunder Rosa one. 
I mean, yeah, like, I'm not a fan of Tony Storm winning this one, to be honest with you. And interim, I've said this across all combat sports, that word needs to be thrown in the garbage. The garbage exploded, and we never hear of the word interim again. If a champion cannot physically defend a title, they are stripped of it, and the title is vacated, and... Because aren't we supposed to have wins and losses in AEW and ranking systems, to be honest with you? So, therefore, whoever is the number one and number two ranked, they face each other for the belt. And then when that champion that had to relinquish the title due to injury is physically able to compete, then they are the number one contender for their belt because they didn't physically lose the belt in a match. So get rid of the word interim across all combat sports. I don't want to hear it in the UFC, pro wrestling, anything like that. The word sucks. And yes, Scooter, you're right. It is cursed in the world, in the galaxy of AEW. Um, I'm liking the fact that Jamie Hayter is going to spin off and do, a, uh, uh, do stuff with um, Dr. Britt. Sheeta should have won the, the title here. But I understand why they put the belt on Tony Storm to set up that whole tone, that whole thunderstorm gonna implode and have their match to see who is the undisputed AEW Women's Champion. Um, it's uh, you know, it's rumored that Thunder Rosa only uh, you know, said that she was injured. Because uh, she was dropping the title. Um, and that maybe she asked for her release. Um, do you see that being any, the, any sort of truth in that, Scooter? Mm. Mm, no. Uh, do you see? That AEW values Thunder Rosa because it, it seemed like Rip Tony during an interview kind of ripped for a new one, saying that you know everybody would want to see a eight minute CM Punk promo, but uh, eight minute Thunder Rosa promo people are tuning out. I don't know if that's a dig at her or. A dig at men in general, <laughs> or, I think, or, or a dig at fans. I think it's a dig at fans in a sense, or maybe she just doesn't move the needle or put butts in the seats as champion. And I think when she was chasing more people, she was more interesting. Now that she has the title, and she's not really interesting. It was like Britt Baker was interesting as as champion. It's like we didn't really need to take the belt off of her. I understood why they did it because Thunder Rosa was so hot at that point in time. But it's that whole that whole thing. Sometimes a baby face doesn't need the belt. They're better chasing it than them actually having the belt. And I think that's the case with Thunder Rosa. And maybe maybe she was realizing that um she had to drop the title and this kind of pulled up and said, nah, I'm going to fake this injury and be out for a while, to be honest with you. Or maybe it's just, maybe it's a storyline thing. I don't know, but it just seems like maybe Tony's cold off of the Thunder Rosa train. 
Oh. Um, Christian Cage with Luchasaurus defeated Jungle Boy Jack Perry in 20 seconds. I kind of understand why they did what they did for the simple fact that, you know, Christian was not able to actually have a match. Um, but it kind of... This is another one of those where I'm like, was this the right call to make? You know, you could have had Jack just knock him out, pin him, but what say you, Skittle? I mean, I called it last week. Another Luchasaurus turn. And how, how many is that? Three, maybe four. Three. That's I three. Mean, I mean, is he is he going? Is he trying to beat Big Show or Mark Henry's Mark Henry's record? Um, he's have to be a lot longer. I mean, unless this is shedding the Jungle Boy gimmick, in which case I hope Tony can get his money back for Tarzan Boy. Uh Um, I liked Jungle Boy in the past. He had, he had spunk. He had this tenacity that you wanted to succeed. You wanted to root for him. And now he's stale. I think his time has passed. Um, yeah. What's a um, I'm going to agree with what Scooter is saying, that this could be shedding the um, whole Jungle Boy aesthetic, and I think it needs to go. I think it's kind of passe. Um, the whole... I think Luchasaurus turning on him was the smart way to go because Christian obviously couldn't do anything physical due to his elbow injury. And I think he's off in the sunset, but to be honest with you, what they should have done over the months was trying to turn, not Luchasaurus turn jungle boy into like Christians, like a Christian light in a sense where Christian is the one teaching him how to be this, cerebral heel type of character in a sense and then he he drops that whole jungle boy thing and he's the one that turned on on luchasaurus because to be honest with you it's kind of stupid having this giant wearing a dinosaur mask as a heel i just think that that gimmick is a dumb gimmick to begin with it's it's like a knockoff of kane without having the cool name that that that's all it is. Unless you were gonna change the name of Luchasaurus to something else more sinister or whatsoever, but I think they should have swapped the roles and had Christian be the one teaching Jack Perry how to be the heel, and Jack Perry would have not been stale, as Scooter said. Now he would have looked twenty times better going forward as a heel. So we named him Kanosaurus. Luchadorosaurus? 
Oh, <clears throat> I'm partial to Kinosaurus. Um, no, it does seem like they were, like, you said that he's kind of getting, uh, stale. But, um, on Dynamite, he had a pretty good promo. If I, it was probably the best promo, uh, uh, <clears throat> I ever had. Uh, I... I think that should have been something he did in front of Luchasaurus. I don't know how many takes it took. But, uh, I was kind of like, alright, this is, uh, you know, a little bit of fire on the I did not like that promo. Which one? The one that he would the sit down interview with Jr. and 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 Christian before the pay per view? I know. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're facing Jack Perry. Yeah, like I didn't like that either. That seemed like that was rehearsed and no, not that one. Are one are are you James? Are you talking the one where he's in the ring and he's cutting the promo and he called like um? No, that that the one from that was Dynamite the one. where he said that he was carrying Luchasaurus. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, I, that, that was a decent promo. Yeah, again, I, I, I didn't like it because it made him sound petty. Yeah. You're ex- you're, that's, what, that's what I was looking at, too. Like, it's a good promo, but he seems petty. It's not like Christian pretty much took everything from you discredited your father that's no longer with us discredited your mother called you a piece of crap all this stuff and then you're being petty about oh the only reason why i had him had my big dinosaur friend around you was to keep you sweet until i showed up no man that 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 in in the real world that doesn't make sense like why would luchasaurus side with christian to just watch Christian, and then they didn't. They see these are these are certain things that Tony's not doing with stories. Like you need to make the stories make sense. Oh yeah. Like like if Luchasaurus was the one to take out Jungle Boy, just argument speaking, and then he sided with Christian. Because even how Luchasaurus sided with Christian, it makes sense. All Christian said was, "Remember what happened to Marco." Okay, but say I'm not an avid AW watcher. Who's Marco, and what did you do with Marco? You know, like, it needs to, like, you're still, like... <laughs> we don't talk about Marco. We don't talk about Marco. The same oh, way we no, can't no, talk no, about no. the other people that are no, are with us, but not with us, but Wasn't we can't talk Mark about Mary them. Was at one point? That's Mark Marrow. <laughs> Not Marco Stunt. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, didn't he? Wasn't he an explorer? I, I believe so. Um, but all I'm saying is that Christian, that that whole story leading into that match didn't make any sense. I understand Christian's point of view. That's why his tagline makes no sense. Outwork everybody. Is that you're just being your smarter than everybody? That's why you use certain people to make money, like. That didn't make sense when he first came in. Now, the only reason you were around these guys was to make money. Did they make you money? The answer was, I guess, for a time when they were the tag champs. It's like the story doesn't make sense. They, so when we, so when we like, when we lead into a match, 
the story to get us to why these guys are going to have a physical altercation need to make sense. And sometimes that is the problem with AEW. The storylines do not add up. And then it's making us as fans wonder and start to fantasy book things when we don't really need to because the booker should be booking them. I, I really think Christian's thing needs to either have a question mark added to it, outwork everybody, or it needs to be outwork somebody, or possibly even outwork anybody. Please. <laughs> Something. Or, so, yeah. or, 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 or even, you know, in parentheses, outwork everybody, parentheses, I'll settle for just in-working anybody. <laughs> and I think there's two on next match. Uh, Chris Jericho defeated Brian Danielson in 22 minutes, 30 seconds. Um, I mean, who thought that they was going to have a bad match? Um, two of the best of their time. Um, it just doesn't, like Drew has said, it just doesn't make sense. Joe, the whole basis was they were fighting for um, Daniel Garcia on a pole. Um, uh, lack of a pole. They, they had lack of a pole. He was on the pole. Um, and Jericho won. So he's, Daniel should have gone with Jericho. But this Wednesday on Dynamite, he went with Brian. And it just... Does, what was the point of the match and Jericho winning if he wasn't going to keep his guy? Um, Joe? Yeah, again, it's storyline continuity. It needs to make sense. If the story is Daniel Garcia, are you a sports entertainer or are you a wrestler? And he did some sports entertainment thing like help Jericho win, I could understand. But we don't i don't see the point of having a match with two guys that arguably are not going to give us bad matches they're both as you said james two of the greatest of all time but in storyline theory what was the point of the match was the match for the honor of daniel garcia was it for daniel garcia's contract was it for daniel garcia to finally make a decision on if he's a pro wrestler the winner if Jericho wins, he's a sports entertainer, and if Danielson wins, he's a, a pro wrestler. Like, it didn't make sense. And then we go to Dynamite, which which we can talk about quickly here, and that he wins the pure title. And it's, it's him winning the pure title to kind of stick it to Jericho to really say, hey, Jericho, I'm not a sports entertainer. I'm a wrestler, and now I have the most purest wrestling title belt there is in the world. I, I don't get it. I really don't. Oh, Scooter, do you get it? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's two veterans of the business fighting over uh, in, in the, the the rookie that they see the most potential in from two different points of view. I mean, it, it, it's a classic 
storytelling trope. Uh, but, I mean, as it pertains to, it, it, it pertains to just Chris Jericho and just Brian Danielson. What, what, what do the other members of Blackpool Combat Club think? Do they even care? I mean, he also said uh, he wanted Excalibur's pedals all over him, and he said because he's in, he's in, he's British, he could get away with it. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, the, and uh, the, the thing is, is that I find Daniel Garcia very vanilla. He looks like the, you know, the, 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 the fourth skin shade option in in a create a wrestler mode in a in a, in a video game. Wow. He, he 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 looks like he looks like a default. I mean, hmm, default Daniel Garcia. Um you know, it's not when Apollo said is, you know, he has bad acting behind him. And, you know, you, you would have thought that being with Jericho, he would have won some better way to react to things. But he just seems like the lost kid in the supermarket that can't find his mom. Uh, he is very generic and, and boring, to be honest with you. And maybe... I think they rushed the storyline very quickly. I think they they saw after the matches he had with um, Danielson that there was something there, and they're just again hot shotting the situation, not just taking its time and actually letting this guy's character build because he does have some good facial expressions from time to time. I'm not gonna knock his his acting in the storyline, but I think again. We're not giving time for things to breathe and manifest and actually grow and create new stars in AEW. Yes, AEW is a young company, and yes, they've been relying on the name caches of John Moxley and that guy with the punk name that we can't really say anymore, Phil and the, it, Phil Brooks and and the the guy Omega and. We're relying on those guys, but we need, and this was a problem with WCW near the end of it, we can't just rely on the guys that turn the needle. We need a crop of other guys that can actually turn the, the needle. And I think they see something there in Daniel Garcia. I just think they need time for it to manifest and grow instead of just pushing him to the moon right away. 
If any was born X match, uh, Darby Allen, Sting, and Miro defeated the House of Black, Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews with Julia Hart and Paul Morgan Pentecostal. Um, honestly, not a bad match. Um, good match, good psychology. Um, you know, the way that they ended it was good as well. Maybe would have meant a little bit more of Malachi taking the L if he didn't take one two weeks ago to Alex Reynolds, but hey, that's my opinion. Um, in such an insane world, this match made sense to me. Um, Scooter. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it figures that, you know, somebody like Sting, who, uh, who had so many encounters with the Great Muda, would know how to counter Mist, and that's by spitting it yourself. Um, it's an absolutely, it, 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 it was a, I think, a, a, a great ending, um, uh, and maybe not necessarily the curtain call I may have wanted for Malachi Black, considering that he did take a bow. In fact, the entire House of Black took a bow? Yes, because um, apparently um, AEW did uh, agree to uh, a conditional release of Malachi Black. Yes. Um, Drew, this go- we, we've chatted about Malachi in the past. Um, <laughs> this guy had so much potential I feel like, you know, after that Cody, uh, that Cody rivalry, he should have been the one to take the belt off of Hangman Page. Why, why did Malachi fall so far off the radar for AEW? I think Tony acquired some newer toys. Yeah. And he wanted to play with those. And kind of disregarded Malachi back. I'm not saying the guy isn't creative. I'm not saying that he can't be one of the top stars in any company that he's in. I hope he can heal up for whatever injuries he's got going on. Uh, Probably most of these guys are pretty much smart with their money. So they're not really out here starving for bookings. And trust me, anybody that calls for Malachi back, he... Obviously, going to be a top building. He he was up here in Toronto a few weeks ago for a, a company called Superkicked, and for what, and um, the whole House of Black was up here. It was him, Buddy Lee, our buddy Matthews, and and Brody Brody King. They were all up here, and they did a they did a a show, and they did a seminar for for some up and coming wrestlers, and so. It's not like he's going to be out of the loop of professional wrestling for so long. But I just think, for to answer your question, like I said, I just think Tony got some newer toys and wanted to play with those, and that's why he slid down the card. That's another another guy like Pac. Same thing. It's Tony got some newer, acquired some newer toys, which now he might be regretting picking those toys up and not watering the grass that he had. 
sometimes the grass is not always greener on the other side. Sometimes you need to water your own to get it green, but that's another day, another topic. But um, yeah, I just think hopefully going forward, if he comes back to AW, that'd be great. If he goes to WWE, that'd be great. If he goes to New Japan, that'd be great. Wherever he ends up, or even if it's to take time away from wrestling for a while and do some other things, that's great too. But I just think this was a perfect way to say goodbye to AEW and this character. He was smart that he's the one that took the, the pinfall, and it was booked properly. So maybe Tony didn't have his hands on this one. All right. And uh, the last match, match 15, the match everybody in Chicago paid to see, AEW World Championship match, CM Punk defeated John Moxley by pinfall in 1955 seconds. That being said, there was a secret bonus match, match 16, <laughs> um, in the locker room later that night. Um, for context, CM Punk said some, uh, less than uh, glowing things about uh, Colt Cabana, Hangman Page, and most well, of Well, uh, well uh, to clear up about Cabana, uh, the lawsuit uh, with Cabana, uh, and eventually he, re- he revealed that he got a letter from Cabana uh, you know, saying, uh, oh, that, uh, they should go their separate ways and Cabana will pay his own bills from now on, except the fact that he did not realize that he, that Colt Cabana lived with his mother and they shared a bank account. So that's when they, they subpoenaed her mother. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's where he cut off everything about Cabana. Right. So that we can put to rest. Yeah, it was pretty much you were just re- re- um, talking about what happened. In, we're not friends. We haven't been friends for over a decade. I've been paying his bills. Now I'm not. I'm not the reason why he got demoted from AEW to Ring of Honor. And and I think Punk here when Punk was saying this and and watching his demeanor, I just think he was just defending himself because there was media outlets and predominant wrestling media outlets that were putting out that he's the reason why Kokoman is not on AWTV, and the reason why Kokoman is no longer in, in the dark order. And he was just defending himself. And there was and I felt at that point there was nothing wrong with him defending himself about what he did for somebody and they're no longer friends and do not blame him for the reason why this person is now on the lesser brand of AEW. I mean, I will say this. Colt Cabana can still kick my ass at Fall Guys. So, you know, you know if, uh, if I start a Fall Guys promotion, you know what, I'm signing Cabana first. Well, I mean, yeah, Cabana and people do feel like maybe he didn't, um, you know, directly say, oh, it's Cabana here, oh, I won't come, but maybe Tony felt that way, so, but that's on Tony, not on Punk. Um, exactly. And then you have 
what he said about Hangman Page, about Hangman Page going into business for himself, and what did TM Punk do to resolve that type of disrespect? Who did Adam Page ever beat? But I mean, then, and he said that a hangman page said that he doesn't want to take advice from anybody, and that if Terry Funk gave me him advice, that that he wasn't gonna listen or something to that extent. And it just seemed like what went from defending himself to just kind of continuously ramble just kind of got out of hand because he did talk about the elite saying that they couldn't manage a target let alone a wrestling company he was old and that he was uh, tired and grumpy and he had to work with children um and just a lot of things that didn't really favor the the elite at all. Um, forget about the match. Nobody cares about the match at this point. Let's just talk about the media scrummage, and then we'll get into what what was the fallout of that scrummage for us. Scooter, did you feel like CM Punk said anything out of line, anything not I think I can sum it up for me in one sentence. CM Punk buried AEW. And the thing about that is Tony was right next to him. He was five feet away. But I mean, I, I, and again, this is I said this last week. Tony isn't looking at this as a promoter. He's looking at it as a a, a, a rich boy who is playing promoter. He's got blinders on. He's so enamored by the fact that He's the guy that got Punk back on TV. That it's blinding him to the you know to to everything else. And as we continue on, you know, Punk isn't blameless. Uh, isn't the only one to blame here. So. What's All right, let, let, let me let me take it from the point of CM Punk because CM Punk's only like four years older than I am. It's when you go to a job or when you're working on a job, you're obviously working with other people and you're working with management. And the thing is he felt employee A, which is Cabana, I don't want nothing to do with him. He's a piece of crap. His character showed himself, and I don't want to talk about that. And that's fine. Justifiable with what he said there. The Hangman Page stuff, if you felt this way, and this is the thing that made him contradictory even in that media scrum, is when he said, if you have an issue with me, you need to come to me. So if you had an issue 
with the line that Hangman Page said, then you should have went to Hangman Page. And another thing, I agree with you 100%, Scooter, that this Tony Khan is not looking at it objectively as the leader of this organization, of this promotion known as All Elite Wrestling. The, the issue and problem is when you make one of your top stars go rogue, it makes you and your promotion look Mickey Mouse. It makes your business look Mickey Mouse. It makes you look small time. And what he should have done was shut Punk down. Because if this was a media scrum in the UFC, because this happened this week in the UFC, that Dana White had to shut a whole media scrum down because guys were acting out of pocket and were going to physically hurt each other and others at a media scrum. His words, Punk's words, not only hurt the company, it hurts the company's image going forward. It, it hurts their negotiations to get TV deals. He is their top star. And you can't look at it like, Oh, I'm the guy that got him on TV. Or you can look at it this way. Tony could have been like, maybe there's money in this. Maybe I can promote this. And you can't. Because now, and this is the problem that we have in wrestling a lot of times, is that we blur the lines of what is fiction and what should stay fiction and what is real. And that's the problem that happened. Punk didn't talk like he was CM Punk, the character that we see on AEW Dynamite and Rampage. That was Phil Brooks airing out his grievances against Hangman Page, against the EVPs, against the locker room, and which he buried his company to make himself look good. That is not cool. And we heard about this stuff with Punk Years ago when he was in WWE, Triple H talked about it and, and said that he thinks if, if it doesn't work for Punk, if, if it's not putting Punk on top, then it doesn't work for Punk. And, and you cannot have a guy that's going to be the face of your company as the world champion and stripping him of the world title and, and all that kind of stuff that what happened transpired doesn't do anything because it's a fictional world. Anybody can hold the world title. This is not like legitimate sport where we're seeing stuff like okay like if this was a movie set and one of the actors did something that was so egregious right they would find a way to cut him out of the movie in the final cut or he wouldn't continue shooting right or the show wouldn't like there's a batman girl movie that was supposed to come out and they're not bringing it out because of some weird reason who knows but i just think going forward maybe it's time for Tony to now actually figure out can he work with CM Punk after he comes back or do you cut bait and move on? Because honestly, the question I have for you guys is this. Who has CM Punk put over in the last year that he's been in AEW? Just one person. You put him over and then buried him on the same night because the night that we should have been talking about the return of this guy that hasn't been on TV for three months that you had him cut this amazing shoot promo against the company and you play and what should have happened. That's how the show should have ended, to be honest with you, that 
Stokely Hathaway wins the, the thing, and then you see the return of the devil, and all he had to do was take off that hood, put on the, the robe, and come out, and then St- Stokely Hathaway hands him the chip, and he puts his hands around and to say he's the champ. But the media scrum took all of that away, all of that momentum, and MJF, bless his heart, on, on, on um, Rampage, brought it all, or not Rampage, on Dynamite, brought it all back. Yeah, with with his promo, his presentation, everything that he did on Dynamite brought that back, and he's a genius in what he can do, and and everything that he does, and everybody loves what MJF is do- doing, and eventually he will have to be AW's babyface savior, to be honest with you. But I just think you really look at it: should you continue on with CM Punk when he's fully healthy and can come back, or do you let him go? No, you're not wrong about that. But um, I did hear some rumors that this was a walk and not a suit. At least the media, the media from it was. Uh, do you think that that maybe is the case, or no, sure? Maybe this is for a hangman face, uh, a hangman face CM Punk too much. Mm, no, 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 because. One punk is apparently apparently had surgery again. Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't know that when Paige did the media stomachs. Um. I mean, the fact that. Oh, the fact that. Well, well, we saw. Well, Paige didn't have anything to actually really do with the. Uh, everything that happened after. Uh, but no, not. No, not a work. I mean, you can literally pinpoint the moment where somebody's running in during Jericho's scrum to tell Tony what's going on. And and Jericho says it to him, too. He whispers in his ear as he's leaving, some shit went down. Yeah. So, and we also see, I think it was... During Jericho's scrum, if you look closely, one of the security guards is like sprinting yeah. to go to wherever, wherever this, wherever this skirmish is going down. And to be honest with you, if this is if this is a work, to be honest with you, then it's it's honestly a great work. And then my 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 conspiracy theorist wrestling brain started to go, and I was thinking. Wasn't Punk on that show Heels? Yeah. Yes. Right? And they on that show blurred the lines a lot because we, we do see what Stephen Armell's character, he's the booker and the and the head writer of the of the pretend the show. And they blur the lines of what's happening in their real life and what's going on in the wrestling universe world that they're, they're creating. I was thinking maybe this is what they're doing. Maybe, maybe they're leaning in towards this realism stuff. But then I was like, uh, maybe, maybe I could be wrong. And, and, and I started doubting my conspiracy theories brain. And I was, maybe it's just a guy that was angry with the rest of the guys he's working with. And he just aired his grievances and didn't do it in the right and proper way. You should have went to um, talent relations. Uh, uh, first of all, I, uh, I believe Cody is an executive producer on Heels. Uh, 
Um, it's a good show, man. It's as, a really as, good as show. Well, I mean, for the for a show that ends the season with a woman being their world champion, I mean, um, um, I mean, we, I, I mean, I, I, I've got, you know, all the reports from, uh, you know, everything that essentially went out. Uh, everything that, you know, went down after, um, you know, uh, so are we, do you want to, do we want to get into... Yeah, let's just jump into it, man. Okay. The media scrimmage, um, not Nick and Kenny Omega, um, all went into the locker room that CM Punk was in. Uh, to confront him about some of the things that he said. Um, things did not, uh, turn out well. Um, and this is, as far as I know, his fact at this point. Uh, CM Punk, uh, hit, uh, Matt Jackson. Uh, a steal drew a chair at Nick Jackson, bit Kenny Omega, and pulled on his hair. And... Yeah. Kenny Omega saved Larry the dog. Um. Uh. Okay, I've. I've got. Which one am I gonna read first? Um. Okay, I have one that's the reports on the incident, and then there's one that's updates on it. So. All right, let's go. Let's let's go from from the top. Sources close to the elite say that the Bucks went to talk to Punk, as he said they should if they had a problem. The claim was that they opened the door of his locker room. They didn't kick it down, as claimed by the other side. Uh, before And before Matt could say anything, Punk was the one who started throwing sucker punches uh, at, at Matt. Nick wanted to intervene, and Steele allegedly threw a chair at him that hit Nick in the face. The Omega involvement was said to be him trying to remove P Punk's dog, Larry, from the situation to keep him safe because he was barking and going nuts. It, it should also be known that uh, Larry did get loose uh, before, uh, the, uh, d during the uh, zero hour. Yeah, he and, made an appearance on the yeah, ramp, I heard, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the elite side of the story also notes that once Omega handed Larry off, he tried to get Steel off of Nick, and Steel bit Omega and pulled his hair. All sides continued shouting, and Punk's side allegedly made legal threats. Uh, to be clear, this account of the incident uh, is from the Punk-Steel side of things. It was said that after Punk's appearance in the scrum, the Young Bucks approached Punk's locker room, and Punk wasn't answering the door mm -hmm. after working a long match bloodied, and he just finished with an emotional media scrum. Uh, the Bucks reportedly pounded out the door, but some claimed they kicked the door down. Uh, also, it should be noted that Steele's wife uh, had a broken foot uh, and was watching uh, Larry the Dog and... Steele's wife being in the vicinity is what set Steele off uh, to this. Um, 
Uh, Omega reportedly did not seem nearly as upset, but things got out of hand, and he ended up getting hit by steel. Uh, the physical altercation was described as very long, but as noted, another source put it at about six minutes. It also said that the back-and-forth talk did not stop after the brawl. In the days since, people that have been in touch with Punk and Steel have softened on the stance that the that the Bucks definitely kicked down Punk's door. Instead, they followed up with the idea that they could have kicked, shouldered, or otherwise forced their way in. They said that kicking the door down was clearly a turn to phrase in that sense and should have been clarified. The reason given was that Punk didn't feel like talking to anyone as he was either getting medical attention or had just been given medical attention for his cut. This this side also varied on what they said uh, caused Steele to begin biting and throwing chairs, going from his wife being nearby to him uh, be believing Omega was attacking Punk when he was trying to pull Punk off one of the bucks. It was reported before that Steele's wife was in Punk's locker room as he was watching the dog. It should be noted that these accounts of the fight are significantly different depending on which side they're from, and even different versions of each side have made the rounds on the internet. And these should not be taken as the gospel. Uh, there's a lot of talk about how none of the involved parties were mentioned on AEW Dynamite on Wednesday night. The edict was also for commentary and social media, no mention of those involved. Uh, they were also removed from the Dynamite opening video. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's believed the same uh, will, will happen on Rampage. Uh, the involved parties were at Dynamite. Uh, as of the Tuesday going into Dynamite, much of the roster didn't know that they were, were didn't know what they were going to be allowed to say or if they could address it, and some of their content had to be adjusted accordingly. Uh, there are rumors that a top AEW talent planning to take time off, and John Moxley confirmed that it was him. Uh, AEW sources indicated they plan for Moxley to be back by October 18th for the Dynamite in his hometown of Cincinnati. But he ended up staying to help conduct Wednesday's talent meeting and star power to Dynamite and participate in the AEW World Title Tournament. Uh, Moxley received the first round bye. Uh, Chris Jericho also received the first round bye. Uh, uh, Sammy Guevara also advanced. Uh, it's Jericho and Daniel Singh Guevara and Moxley uh, winner to be determined in Queens. Uh, AEW talents have been have not been told specifically what is to become a punk, but they are under the impression that it's all pending the results of the third party investigation to come afterwards. Uh, there's a feeling among staff that unless and talent that unless punk suspension is unpaid or is fired, it's superficial considering he'll be out of action well into 2023 with the torn triceps injury which we mentioned he just had surgery on. Uh, as of Wednesday, a lot of the heat on Punk going around is just as much about his media scrum rant than anything. Punk had been rubbing the rocker, the, lo the rocker room, the locker room the wrong way for a while. But one source said that blaming him for all the recent locker room issues is not fair, as they had reached an all-time high when Punk was gone. There was said to be a much more positive vibe in AEW after Wednesday's Dynamite. Was one source saying it could have been it couldn't have been worse than the chaos of the previous days. The same source said that the situation was situation was out of sight, out of mind for plenty of people on the roster who just wanted to show up and work. Another talent said the best way for all parties to make up for the public embarrassment would be to just get over the issues, 
make money for the company and highlight other talents along the way. Good luck on that. The Tokyo Game Show Convention is scheduled to run from September 15th to the 18th. And Kenny Omega, Michael Nakazawa, Christopher Daniels were scheduled to travel to Japan to promote AEW Fight Forever. There's no word on if they've been pulled from the convention. Multiple sources have also confirmed that AEW Senior Vice President, Chief Legal Officer, and Tampering Expert uh, Mega Parikh has was present for the incident as it unfolded. Uh, she entered Punk's locker room alongside the Bucks. Uh, it is believed that there will be confirmation on suspensions and or departures once this investigation uh, has been completed and it is being handled by a legal firm uh, and they are taking statements. Now, <laughs> we, we have... Uh, updates uh, in the ongoing third-party investigation. Um, uh, it is believed that AEW will not actually address the specifics of the incident uh, in public, uh, hence why Khan's address on Dynamite was somewhat vague. Uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks have been suspended According to the Observer, it's not clear what the punishment is for the others involved, but it's believed that suspensions and or departures will come after the investigation is done. Uh, the Observer adds that also everyone involved was either suspended or told not to come to Dynamite on Wednesday, including a number of people whose participation was actually trying to uh, break the fight up. Most of those involved and not brought to TV were punk. Ace Steel, The Bucks, Omega, Pat Buck, uh, Christopher Daniels, Brandon Cutler, and Michael Nakazawa. It does not appear at this point if anyone has been fired, but those who be were believed to be involved in some form and witnesses were taken off the road. Uh, it never adds that an independent firm is doing video interviews uh, with everyone in the room, including the names mentioned. Uh, as well as including a number of neutral parties who were in the room and believed to have seen everything as it happened. Uh, word is that MJF is one of these neutral parties. Um, the, uh, the concept of, of whether uh, Mega Parade came in with the Bucks is unclear, uh, or she was there for another reason. Talk of potential issues. Um, all long-term decisions regarding any punishment are pending until the third-party investigation wraps up. Uh, outside legal proceedings regarding the fight from different sides remain to be seen. Uh, it is believed some people involved want to talk and tell their side of the story when they can, but again, AEW's company is not expected to address these specifics. Um... Uh, it appears no person involved has talked uh, to a media outlet, but someone apparently very close to the punk side has talked to Dave Meltzer and The Observer. The story about the, punk, the Bucks breaking down Punk's door is not true. Uh, uh, the claim was that the Bucks did come in the room without knocking, uh, with the punk side saying they barged in and an argument started. Um, 
it is confirmed that Punk threw the first punch. Uh, regarding Steele's wife, Lucy being in the room, she was taking care of Punk's dog. Uh, uh, Ace got physical because he was worried about his wife's well-being. Uh, we learned she has a broken foot and could not move well. Uh, a fight break out right in front of her would make anyone's uh, uh, husband uh, go nuts. Uh, uh, it's believed that it happened so fast that uh, the Bucks and Omega may not even realize that Ace Steel's wife was there. Uh, Nick has uh, Nick got seriously hit in the face with uh, the chair and has a, a quite a big shiner. Uh, Punk was busted open again the hard way uh, on the cut he suffered during the main event. Omega had his hair pulled, but he'll get plugs. Um, uh, he also got bitten by Steel. Now Omega is a Hulk. Um, the explanation given, Steel believed Omega was trying to cross face or choke him. Um, the only points universally agreed on at this point that the, the Bucks came into the room without knocking. Both sides were angry. Punk punched Matt. Steel hit Nick with a chair, and then pulled Omega's hair and bit him. Then after that, more people were in the room. Uh, one AEW wrestler who is next door to Punk's room said it sounded like they were shooting an angle, but when he came in to watch it, he was told that it was very clear, given the state of everyone, that this was not an angle. Uh, two weeks ago when Punk... Uh, it said by multiple sources that how two weeks ago when Punk returned to work, Punk said the press conference after All Out would be interesting. Uh, yeah, Punk's dog Larry got loose. There's a very cute pic going around. Um, and, and then, well, I'll finish it off here. Wrestlers of not affiliated with either side said they feel at least uh, Punk and Steel have to be let go. Uh, there's nothing regarding uh, what they think uh, if anything should happen to the Elite. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, who who Who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? And how do you feel, Tony? How do you feel, Tony Khan responded to? Okay, I'll 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 go I'll go from where you the the last part of your question there, where Tony Khan, Tony Khan handled this horribly. You're the leader. They always say the the saying is, where whenever something stinks, you gotta look at the head. It's usually fish that smells bad, but I digress. Um, it's him. The buck had to stop with him. He could have nipped this in the bud from jump. If you were okay with Punk saying what he had to say about Colt Cabana, cool. But when he started to, to knock down the people that you put in charge in these positions when you started this company... Then you should have said something. You should have had said, "Hey, punk, you're done for the night." Something. 
it didn't need to escalate to where it escalated. You had he he has to take some responsibility because it's it's your you're the guy that's signing the checks. That's number one. The Bucks, if they tore down the door, they knocked the door, they went in without without an answer, they're in the wrong. It's just everybody else, like it, it's Punk, it's the Bucks, it's Tony, it's Omega to an extent, it's um, Ace Steel, it's all of those people combined that should have just, it's never had to get this way. We're grown, in that whole setting, you're grown adults, you're in a major company. This is not. This is not as Punk said in 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 the, in the press conference. You guys are acting like this is Reseda, and it's not. It is not. You're not wrestling in Reseda anymore. This is a this is a company that is known globally. This is not just a company that is known through DVDs and and YouTube views. This is known. It's on a. In, it's on internationally. You are now touring internationally because they are up here in Toronto in the next, I believe, a month. They're here in October. You're touring regularly. You are trying to get another TV deal. So if you were doing these stupid little childish, yo, you're a, you, I'm working with kids and this, that, and the third. If you were, if you were smart. Turn your grievance into a freaking angle that could make the company money. And the only way that I, I kind of agree, you kind of say, can you work with, can these combustible elements go cool off, go heal up, can they work together and make my company money? If the answer is no, and you can say, okay, you know what? I can walk, I can wash my hands of a CM Punk, but I really... And for the Bucks and, and Kenny going forward, okay. If you think I can work with all of them, okay. But at the end of the day, it needed what Tony needs to do. What at the end of this, it's either it's produce good professional wrestling that will then quell all of this negative energy that's been coming out of out of your biggest show of the year. The press conference becomes null and void if you start to put on great wrestling. And on Wednesday, the promo that John Moxley cut that we saw on, on the show, it was the rallying of the troops um, promo. And it was done very well. And I think that's the guy that Tony Khan should hitch his wagon to going forward as the guy that that you put out there to erase this whole negative negative stereotype that came down the down the pipe told everybody everybody has a part to play in it and tony khan should have been the one that stopped it before it got to the elevated fight breaking down doors etc etc the thing is is that Mox wanted to take some time off. I mean, the guy just became a dad, and he's he's you know he and he's out of rehab. So Mox has the mindset of an addict, and I know what I'm talking about. I am one too. And the thing is, 
with addicts, we have addictive personalities. And we, we, we've seen that with Mox in his, not only his addiction to the business, but his addiction to being the leader now. Uh, I mean, Mox, I, I think this is both bad and good for Mox. Yes, it, it's, it's a great example of, you know, uh, of uh, an employee, but if, you know, if Mox doesn't get, like, six months off after this, I mean, and then maybe Mox, maybe Mox has a, a death wish uh, to to bleed so much in the ring. Um, again, Mox Mox loves performing the fans. Mox also holds himself up to very high standards. Yeah. Uh, so if so now, I mean, Mox. How can I say this? Consider AEW is a casket, and at least Moxley was a pallbearer, not exactly carrying the load, but carrying part of it. Now. He now he's friggin' Atlas holding up the entire planet. And like I, 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 I don't mean to cut you cut you off, Scooter, but I I'm what you're saying as as um, somebody that I don't know what it's like to be an addict because and I don't think knock on wood I don't really know. Besides yourself, I don't know anybody that is an addict, but this this is what a concerned father would be like. I'm looking at it, if he continues on this kind of stretch, is that something that could be detrimental to his sobriety going forward? That Could that hurt yes. his personal life yes. going forward? And, exactly I, and, and, I, and I think... The, the, the fan of me can step away and be like, as a man-to-man... He needs to go take a break. I don't think he needs to be in this tournament. I don't think he needs to do any. He needs to go take his vacation. He needs to go. He has carried this company through the pandemic, through CM Punk's injury as the interim champion. Now coming back and having to deal with CM Punk's Tom Fury. See, these are the things that I'm looking at man to man. Do you care about the fellow man in the locker room? Like, yes, it's a sport. Yes, you are wrestling each other, telling stories and all that kind of stuff, but man to man, when CM Punk, when the Bucks, when all of this was going down, did they care about the man? Did Tony Khan care about the man that has literally carried this company, as you said, as Atlas for the last 18 months? Or since he's been back coming out of rehab, have you been 
Have, do you care about this guy's sobriety going forward? And that's that's the scary part. And I really think, looking at this, they don't really care. Because you wouldn't act this way. Like, yes, you can have grievances. Yes, you can be upset with people. Yes, you can, you can say that they can't run a Target or a McDonald's or whatsoever. But do... You, when you're in a locker room with other people, I don't care if it's professional wrestling. I don't care if it's 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 sports. I don't care if even if it's on your job. Do you care about the fellow man that is right beside you every day tying up the, the boots because you guys wear the same uniform? I, on my job, I wear a uniform. I not, I might not be working side by side with these guys every day, but the guys that I I go out with every morning that we started at 6.30 in the morning. I care about, are they are they being safe? Are, are, do they have a life work-life balance? Those things, those things matter, and they should matter to you, especially when you get to a certain age. It shouldn't be about what's best for you. And it looks like, to me, to be honest with you, CM Punk doing this thing, he was selfish. And he has to take some brunt of responsibility for what it was. And I just feel well, what you said, Scooter, was I agree with you 100% that maybe Moxley shouldn't be the guy going forward. And it's just me being the selfish fan. And I'm, I'm, I so love what, everything that Moxley's doing. But for the man, John Good, he needs to go home, be with his wife, be with his new baby, and, and take some time away from this business. That would maybe help him going on, going in the long run. CM Punk is selfish and he should no longer be in the world of professional wrestling. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Uh, the, the term I'm using is, if, if Mox continues on this path, he's going to burn out and it, it just, it's going to be bad. Oh, um, since we're getting into the, a lot longer than I thought this I'll uh, finish this off and say, um, at the end of the day, who was right, who was wrong? Nobody was right. Nobody was right at all. Um, you know, CM Punk, honestly, he shouldn't have said what he said in the first place. Whether it was a work or not. You know, all he really did was, you know, WWE wasn't as bad as they he made them out to be because if you have those same problems with the Lord Engine next day, then what does that say about you? Um, you know, the thing with the Elite, they honestly they should have not confronted them when they confronted them. Um if, because they're not one of the boys anymore. They're corporate now, they're vice presidents. And it doesn't look professional or right if you go and confront somebody like that as a vice president. If it was a if they were just in there like wrestlers, then it won't have mattered. It was, okay, stop on the list, but they're vice presidents. It doesn't look good for them. Um, and all of this is Tony Khan's fault. Because like you said last week, we could have avoided all of this. We could have had CM Punk versus John Moxley at full gear. 
And it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have mattered. The only thing that mattered was that it was in Chicago and Tony wanted the cast grab. And the cast grab was the most expensive cast grab in the history of cast grabs. Because it cost them, what, five wrestlers, six wrestlers and, and executives and agents and all that good stuff. Three producers, at least. Right. And, I mean, at the at the end of it, I do feel like Tony did make the right decision. He suspended everybody, all the guilty parties. He stripped the titles off of everybody. I mean, he would have had to strip the title off Punk anyway, because he's injured. But maybe, but it shouldn't have gotten to the point that it did. And it got on him. The Leechner went to punish him, at least not on that night. Punch shouldn't have punched anybody to begin with. He shouldn't have said what he said. And none of that would have happened if Tony would have been patient. So, yeah. Um. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll list with one more thing. Cool. Cool. What, what would Tony's response have been if the Bucks and Omega went to Tony instead of Punk? That's a good question. But they didn't wait until Tony was done with the media scrummage. Because he was so out there. What, what, Jericho? Yeah. Yep. So, you know, they didn't wait for that, for that approval, or to say, you know, Tony, talk to this guy. They took that upon themselves. And, oh. But they couldn't use common sense, man. This, like, we're, we're, yeah. use your common sense. Like, yeah. you know that the guy is heated. To go confront a guy that's heated, it's going to escalate to where we got to. You should have this. This is something where, you know what? Me, Tony, the EVPs, and the president and the owner of the company should have came on Monday morning and had this little sit-down meeting and discuss everything. And then you could make a then you could make a strategic plan. Then that whole physical altercation would have never happened. But Use Tony your common sense. Tony didn't even get an opportunity to because to, as as Scooter yeah. yeah as Scooter said, Tony is playing right. a professional wrestling yeah. worker. He is not a professional. He's not being professional. That's why these things happen. If you were perfect, do you ever think any of that stuff would have happened in the in WWE? Re like really right. and truly, it probably did back in the eighties. But it's not happening today. If guys have grievances with each other, they're going to where? The, where are they going? Talent relations, also known as human resources, they are not going to go into the locker room, turn on the shower, and beat the crap out of each other for five minutes. We have common sense, as you said, James. These guys are executives. They are not one of the boys. So the boys has an issue with an executive. Executives need to have executive meetings with other executives. Yeah. Also, Triple Tony has a throwing fist with anybody in, yeah. in a meeting with any of the wrestlers that say bad, yeah. boo-boo things to him. 
That's why we have each that's why we have stuff with like big the big school situation. That's why we have these things because he's just talking like he's a regular fan. Yeah. And you're not a fan anymore. You're and, an owner of a company that produces professional wrestling. So yeah. act like it. And Tony has an obsession with being at every media scrum. Professional sports organizations don't have the owner at every media scrum. Even the Dallas Cowboys that Jerry Jones is the GM, the president, and the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. He's not at every media scrum. The general managers of teams are not at every media scrum. Who's at media scrums? Players, coaches. That's it. That's who should... CM Punk could have said his grievances right there and then. And then what Tony Khan could have did in the media, a little media... Or, or the only time I've seen, uh, like, not an owner, but, like, the president of the company, it's when the UFC does it. And it's usually Dana White on his own. Dana White's doing his own presser. And if he's there for half an hour, he's there for half an hour doing answering all the questions. What you, the, the, That's what Tony Khan should have did. He's sitting there like a fan, like, oh, my God, I get to sit beside CM Punk. Yay. Oh, my God, I get to sit beside Chris Jericho and, and swerve in our glory. And he, you can't act like you're a mark anymore because you're not a mark. He needs to – essentially, the, the takeaway here is he needs to hire PR people to handle – the the uh, the media scrum so he can be where he's needed, he needed the most. exactly and what needs to also happen is that he needs to stop acting like he's one of the boys because he's not even even bischoff criticized him everybody's criticizing because you're the head vince McMahon doesn't when he was in power didn't care who you were. You could have been the biggest star in the company. If you're going to make my company look bad, I'm sorry. You can't be here. That's that's how it has to be. It can't be like, I'm your friend and no. If, if, If James stopped liking what I did here on his program, James would not contact me and book me to come and talk. That would be it. And I'd be like, oh, James hasn't contacted me in a while. Maybe he just doesn't like my work. Oh, well, so be it. That's how it has to be because this is his entity. And if AEW is Tony Khan's galaxy or universe or wrestling world or whatever it is, you can't just be like, I'm a fantasy booker. That's being a mark. That's being a fan. I can't, I cannot all of a sudden say I have $4 billion and decide to go buy the Toronto Blue Jays and still act like a fan. I can't do that because I'm no longer in that bracket anymore. Stay tuned for our media scrum after this podcast. <laughs> Audio experience. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah, you, you you got words? Come to my dressing room if you got a problem. Take take the dog out of the room. Take the dog out of the room. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Alright, let's go home. Yeah. Uh all out. In the fallout. Uh, how many? I I give it a. It was a thumb. It was a thumbs in the up. Uh, kind of a uh, thumbs up show. 
it, it, it was uh, two knuckles deep up the Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you said, I, I agree with it, you know. Yeah, it, like it, honestly, the media scrum took everything away from whatever momentum they were trying to do, and then everything else on the show was kind of null and void, and it was really just the, re- the return of MJF. To be honest with you. Yep. All right. Uh, that's this episode. Um, join us. Uh, if Yeah, no problem, man. No problem. I I had to air some grievances myself, you know. <laughs> Just protect the dog. Yeah, yeah, I know. You gotta protect the dogs. Um, and of course, what can we find you on social media and the grateful one? Uh, social media that is on Twitter, D Wrestling ninety nine. On Instagram, it's Drew underscore Wrestling ninety nine. And the Grateful Yardy podcast is available wherever you get your favorite podcast. And of course, you can follow uh, as always, you can find me in my media scrum, or you can find me on Twitter at ScooterDust. Find me, James, and Ryan Dust hosting the remix on YouTube, a premium audio companion experience for all your alternate commentary needs for your WWE premium live events. The next time we come to you, October 8th, Extreme Rules, and just announced October 11th, I make my live cam D&D uh, debut on Twitch. For a special pirate campaign, join me along with Rico Costino Jr. and the rest of the Smoking Dragons clan for my dragon initiation, twitch.tv backslash Smoking Dragons. Oh, I'm very special guest group, Rico Yasuda, the Fighting Team, and this has been Wrestling with Entertainment.